when you see a two kilometre net and you're just going, oh, this guy's just taken out that whole area for Easter when thousands and thousands of tourists are going down to the Mornington Peninsula to have a great weekend's fishing. It's kind of gone, it's kind of like, hey, we want that guy gone. Today on Dirty Linen, we are sticking with the topic of seafood in Victoria and particularly talking about Port Phillip Bay. Today's guest is David Kramer. David is a recreational fisher. He owns tackle stores. He hosts a radio show on 3MP where they talk fishing every weekend. Uh, David, welcome to Dirty Linen. So great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um, seafood is such a huge, complex topic. I feel like you could, well, <laughs> as you've discovered, you can talk about fishing your whole life, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm a lover of seafood, always have been too. So, you know, it's, it, it is, it's kind of one of the last things in life that you can go actually go out and hunt yourself, if you like, or catch yourself. And, and, it's, and it's a delicacy. I mean, seafood is good tasting food. Yeah, and so healthy as well. Um, get, put us in the picture, like, what is the recreational fishing scene like in Victoria and what's your part in it? Yeah, look, I play a few other roles too. I, I run a, an organisation called Future Fish Foundation and that's uh, that's an organisation not-for-profit. Um, we we set up about 20 years ago. Rex Hunt actually set it up and, um, and, and we're, you know, we're all for, I guess, conservation and, uh, we're actually a registered environmental organisation as well, um, but we're a big promoter of fishing and, and work closely with the Victorian government to promote fishing and make fishing better. Um, and I've got to say, I look, I might be biased because I'm a Victorian, but I'd have to say fishing in Victoria is probably better than anywhere in Australia. And what I mean by that is um, the access to fisheries is fantastic we have fisheries that are in really, really good condition. So, you know, we, we, I mean, we have closed seasons on a couple of species, but it's really to protect the breeding. It's not because, you know, those species are, um, are hard to catch or, or endangered or anything like that. It's, it's really to protect that breeding cycle, but it's only a few species. So pretty much most of the species in Victoria are available, you know, all year round. And then I go, we have got world-class fishing for certain species. So we've got world-class calamari fishing, for instance, the biggest, the best, the most abundant. We've got world-class southern bluefin tuna fishing. We've got, um, I'd say, world-class flathead fishing, and I know they're not worldwide, but, you know, um, some of our fisheries, particularly around Gippsland, where the dusky flathead are are absolutely, um, you know, abundant now, they're, and they're protected by slot limits, so you know there's a there's a minimum and a maximum size. You know you can catch, I reckon, the biggest um, dusky flathead in Australia in Victoria now. You know, so we're in good nick. It's um, I mean, it, it's such an interesting space. I mean, you you speak about you know that you work closely with government, uh, and you've got this yeah future fish organisation as well. Uh, I mean, how organised a lobby group and how large a lobby group are recreational fishers? Uh, that's a really good question because I'd almost say we're disorganised <laughs> uh, in, a, in, a, in a funny way. Um, you know, fishing's so diverse. So you've got your trout fishers and you've got your native fish fishers and you've got your game fishers. And then you've got, you know, your average person who loves going out on the bay and catching some whiting or flathead or snapper, you know. So they're actually, 
you know, fishermen and or fisher people are, are really a diverse group of people, you know, and um, you do something, you know, if a government does something wrong in the trout scene, all the trout anglers get up in uh, up in arms, but the snapper fishermen don't really care, you know. So it's it it it, it can be disorganised in a way, but then at the same time. Um, you know, fishers have been pretty vocal, uh, and and particularly, you know, if you're talking seafood, almost against commercial fishing. And you know, I'd say that's based around probably commercial fishing practices, if anything. Um, it's certainly not a sustainability issue. It's more around the practice, and um, you know, and that's why you know in Victoria we've seen nets banned in uh, most of our bays and inlets now. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. So, what's your? How do you distinguish between? sustainability and and practices like what are some of the practices of the commercial fishers that you've you've seen as a problem yeah look mostly it's around the interaction and i guess secondly it's uh you know damage to the environment or fish stocks that is is not a good look you know and and i'm not saying every commercial fisherman's like that but i i honestly believe you know as time's gone on and, and i reflect back on um you know what's happened probably over the last 15 years mainly um, is that maybe a couple of bad operators have spoiled it for the rest, you know. And, and when I say that, you know, um, and, and I've had a personal experience, you know, when you, you go down to the, the beautiful Mornington Peninsula, which is a, a, you know, a great part of Victoria, and you go down there on a, you know, a Friday of Easter uh, and you're setting up your camp on the, on the foreshore there and you look out and there's a guy who's got a two-kilometre net on, on Easter Friday when all the tourists are arriving and he's wiping out that whole fish population. And, and, and look, there's enough fish in the sea for everybody, but, you know, that temporarily depletes that whole area. And when you see a two-kilometre net and you just go, hang on, this guy's just taken out that whole area for Easter when thousands and thousands of tourists are going down to the Mornington Peninsula to have a great weekend's fishing, it's kind of, go, it's kind of like, hey, we want that guy gone. You know, that's not a good look. And then the other side to it is, um, you know, when, when you see these commercial fishers sorting the fish out their nets and they're throwing all the, the juvenile dead pinkies to pelicans, that's not a good look. Uh, now, not everyone's like that. And, uh, you know, but, but it's the, that's, that was really the driver, that practice and, and the interaction between recreationals and commercials that um, saw the recreational sector lobby to get rid of nets in bays and inlets. Why wouldn't the recreational sector and indeed good practitioners among the commercials just um, lobby for better regulation and better practices, given that you say there are enough fish for everybody? Yeah, look, that's happening now. So, and and it's too late for a lot of commercial fishers in the in the bays and inlets because we've seen uh, we've seen some small bays and inlets like. Lake Tyres and and Mallacoota, you know, they're relatively small uh, systems. But then the bigger ones like Western Port, Gippsland Lakes, Port Phillip Bay, you know, they're the big ones where all the nets have now been removed or or 1st of April the nets get removed from um, Port Phillip Bay. But the problem was, uh, and these have come from, um, I think it was the 2000, I'm I'm going back a little bit here, but the 2010 election, 2000. 14, 2018, there were all, um, you know, bipartisan support. Both major parties promised to get rid of the nets from different, you know, areas. And the problem was the recreationals and the commercials didn't talk and, and didn't want to talk, couldn't talk, 
Uh, they were at wars with each other, and it was kind of like the bigger party won. Whereas, wind the clock forward to 2021. Uh, in fact, let's say 2020. The, the commercial sector down at Corner Inlet, uh, which is Victoria's last Bay and Inlet net fishery, they came to the recreational sector and said, hey, uh, we don't want to be like the rest of the bays and inlets. We want strict regulations, strict rules. We think we're already working under them anyway, but we can tweak them. And uh, we want to work with the recreational sector to survive for generations to come. And uh, now wind the clock forward to 2022 and both sectors work really, really well together. Um, and, and, and my personal experience with that is, uh, like, I, I do have a, a radio show on 3MP every Saturday morning uh, called Talking Fishing, and I actually have a netter on that program every Saturday morning telling us what he catches in his nets and what, what restaurants and shops you can buy his fish in, you know. And it's, it's a really different relationship now than it was, you know, a decade or so ago. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've had the privilege of going down to Corner Inlet on one of those um, per scene net boats and watching how carefully they catch the fish, you know, each fish brought in by hand and if it's if it's not something that they want to catch or they're allowed to catch, then it goes straight back into the water. It seems like a very specific and gentle style of commercial fishing. So it's it's really interesting. It's almost like you're saying it was it was it was personal. Like there was, um, how many net fishers in the in Port Phillip Bay were? There was only like about around forty, right? So it sounds like there were these forty guys who perhaps some of them were fishing in places that didn't suit everybody at certain times, uh, or perhaps their practices weren't up to up to scratch at times. Um, but there was, but then uh, instead of working together as has as you say has been done at Corner Inlet, it's just like. Uh, yeah, they were just all told they had to stop. Yeah, that's how. That's exactly how it worked. You know, yeah, there was 43 guys operating in Port Phillip. Now, there's 18 guys working at Corner Inlet. And for, for more than 20 years, they've worked under a code of conduct. And things like they stopped fishing. They have to be off the water 5 o'clock on a Friday. They're not allowed back on the water until 5 o'clock Sunday evening. Um, they're only allowed to do two shots per day. They're only allowed to have one set of gear in the water at any one time. So they can't um, go and set a mesh net and then go off and do a sane shot, for instance. So, you know, and that's the reason why. Now, I only, I only saw that code of conduct two years ago when we started working with that sector, uh, but they'd been operating under that for 20-odd years, but not all of them were. So there was a few guys that weren't operating under that code of conduct, and it was a voluntary code of conduct. Um, but through working with... You know, they came to the rec sector. The rec sector, together with those guys, went to the Victorian Fisheries Authority. And now those that, that code of practice is now in regulation. And so all 18 of them have to abide by those rules. And there is zero noise. You know, there's zero interaction, zero noise from the rec sector to say, hey, these guys have got to go. And and so those guys have actually secured their industry for generations to come. And, and they're good guys. They're good operators. And you know, hindsight's a great thing. If that had only happened in some of the bigger bays and estuaries, we'd still have a lot of commercial fishing in Victoria. Uh, this is such an interesting conversation, David, because, I mean, so do you now think that the decision to ban net fishing in Port Phillip Bay is misguided? Oh, no, I don't. No, I know, you, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that because... Uh, 
it's 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 taken the awakening, I guess, of what's happened in the rest of Victoria to to kind of make Corner Inlet what it is today. Um, you know, there, there. I mean, there's no doubt there was guys in Port Phillip Bay who went and bought Corner Inlet licenses. You know, and I don't know if they were thinking that's the next big buyout and they're going to get a payout again. I don't know if that's the reason why they did that. I think some of them did, um, but there's going to be no buyout. There's going to be no cessation of commercial netting. No, not. Not in my time, anyway, um, because I actually lobby for the for those guys now, and um, you know. But Victoria, I mean, recreational fishing's growing. Boats are getting bigger. Um, you know, the population certainly is well was growing pre-COVID um, in Victoria, and so you know now now like I'll go back to the conversation ten minutes ago. We've got the best fishery in Australia, I think. Yeah, like we may well have the best fishery. In Australia, but like for myself, I'm not a recreational fisher. I don't really have any recreational mm. fishers, you know, dropping a couple of flatheads on the doorstep early in the morning. Um, I feel upset that I've lost access, that I'm losing access to some of the seafood out of the bay that's on my doorstep. Yeah, that, and that is a great point. Um, there's a lot of people that don't go fishing, don't want to go fishing, don't like fishing, uh, and that is a fair point about having access to seafood. Um, and and I guess I've I've got a solution to that. Whether whether um, a Victorian government will listen to me or not, but it's but I do have a solution to that. Um, and and again, it gets back to the practice. Now, the Victorian Fisheries Authority have already started issuing line court permits around Victoria. They haven't done it in Port Phillip Bay yet, but. That's something that I, I'm going to work with Seafood Industry Victoria um, and, and hopefully the commercial sector through Seafood Industry Victoria and the rec sector can go to both major parties. We've got an election this year and I want them to commit to issuing line court permits so commercial fishing returns to Port Phillip Bay. And... It's about the practice. So then all of a sudden you've got a really good practice. Um, those guys would work under quota, um, but you would get Port Phillip Bay fish back on the, you know, the table for Victorians that don't like fishing. So at the moment, I mean, there'll still be, is it eight line court um, licences for Port Phillip Bay that are mostly for snapper? So are you saying you want to increase that number? Yeah, absolutely. And, and a difference, you know, they're, they're predominantly long liners, so they're long liners. Okay. Snapper. And again, you know, talk about the practice. Um, there's virtually no interaction between those guys longlining for snapper and the and the, the people that recreational fish for snapper. And if you've ever seen Port Phillip Bay on a good day in November, you know, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of boats out there targeting snapper. Um, it's, it's one of those fish. I don't reckon snapper are that great eating, to be honest, but uh, it's one of those things that just gets... If, if there's anything that gets the fishermen in big numbers, it's snapper, you know, because they look good, they're great to fish for, um, anyone can do it sort of thing. And But, you know, they're longlining for them in the middle of the bay, probably at night, you know, and so there, there's there's not that interaction uh, between the wrecks. And they certainly couldn't set a long line in the areas where recreational fishers go fishing because, you, you know, you can have – it's nothing to see 200 boats on a reef, so you couldn't be longlining there and, and – not get caught up in it. So, um, so, but long line. What I'm suggesting is that uh, that a, a commercial license should be a, available 
for people to go out, and, and I'm not saying anyone gets this, I mean, they've got to be a fit and proper person to be a commercial fisher, but that person uh, should be able to operate a business and catch um, whiting, calamari, flathead, uh, kingfish on a, on a rod and reel and be able to sell that commercially, either off the boat at the local boat ramp or jetty or into the local fish and chips and restaurants. Let's talk about net fishing in the bay because we're, that's being phased out at the start of April and that means that we'll lose access to local sardines. Uh, I mean, to me, you know, sardines are a fish you want to eat pretty much, you know, off straight off the boat. You want them really fresh. I want them caught as close as possible to where I'm purchasing them from. Uh, it, let's talk sardines. Like, is this uh, as sad as I think it is? It's worse. Yeah, it's it's sad. Um, and and there's no other way to describe it. You know, uh, Phil McAdam is the the only remaining guy fishing for sardines in Port Phillip Bay. There were a couple of other operators, I think, before um, you know the netting ban. And and most people took you know the majority of the netters in the bay took the payout on um, on day one virtually, which I think was back in 2016. The legislation passed and the buyouts happened. So Phil remained in the industry and. Um, and, and it is sad because, again, you know, I've commented a few times about the practice and, um, you know, purse seining is very different to hall seining. Uh, what Phil does, um, catching sardines in Port Phillip Bay, has very little bycatch. So, you know, there's no damage to other fish stocks. Uh, he's not dragging the bottom through seagrass and places like that. So there's no environmental damage. And he's actually not competing with anyone else that catches pilchards, you know, or sardines, because the recreationals don't, you know, they don't have the gear to catch that that species. So, um, what what? So unfortunately, uh, back in two thousand and fourteen, when both sides of, of politics said we're going to ban netting in Port Phillip Bay, no one spoke. You know, the the two sectors didn't speak. Had they spoken, um, I, I think the the decision makers probably would have gone. Hang on, sardine fishing's okay. Let's let's exempt that from the netting ban. But that didn't happen because the parties didn't talk, and uh, unfortunately, sardine fishing will cease on first of April because it's caught up in the you know the overall um, ban ban on you know net fishing in Port Phillip Bay. However, can I say this? I'm going to lobby for it to come back after the election. I just, uh, I mean, great, but you know. I mean, I've been down to Phil McAdams Fishery down in Williamstown and, you know, once someone goes, once someone takes the buyout and they're not maintaining that that boat, they're not maintaining their infrastructure, they're not, you know, they go and do something else, to get people back on the water when it's a hard, it's a tough life and you need, you know, a lot of skill and training and you need to be really embedded in that world. I mean, I just think it is so sad to lose those generational fisheries and yeah sure let's lobby for them to come back but this just seems like the most stupid decision and it was in 2014 when the um, Victorian Labor government was elected on this promise removing net fishing in the bay was tied directly to what was called the target one million election commitment and that was to the target one million was to get one million recreational fishers people fishing in Victoria and I mean it's like, why? Like, you know, how – I just cannot deal with this. It's just um, so frustrating that something that everybody seems to agree is is a good idea is being phased out simply because it was 
it was promised. No one really knows why. No one really seems to want it. Everyone seems to agree that it's bad. And yet here we go. The wheels just grind. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Th- there's there's nothing good about um what's happening to Film Academy. There's there's nothing good. And you know, um, I, I've behind the scenes, I have tried so hard to find a loophole, if you like, you know, to to keep Phil going. And and there isn't one. And and you know, I've had so many com- personal conversations with. Uh, we've we've had two ministers for fisheries in in the in the past eight years, being Jala Pulford and um, and Melissa Horn, who's the current minister for fishing and boating. And and I've had many conversations. I've had many conversations with uh, the Victorian Fisheries Authority, and the, you know the uh, you know they're bound by legislation. And and I I know legislation can be undone, but. Um, it's you know it's it's almost like it's too late you know some sardine fishers have taken the payout and gone and so uh, if you were to overturn something to save Phil McAdam uh, what about the other guys that are already out you know is that and that's kind of it, look this is complicated there's no doubt about it you know uh, it's kind of unfair on the guys that have already taken their payout but do you, you know so I sit back and I go well okay the best solution here the best solution because we've got a resource in Port Phillip Bay that will just not be utilised at all once Phil, Phil's gone. So the best solution, I say, is, OK, let's get 1st of April out of the way because legislation binds everybody that there will be no netting after 1st of April. But get to the election in, say, November 2022. I'm going to try and convince both major parties that sardine fishing in Port Phillip Bay should return and... You know, it's it's. Um, I know it's not exactly like it, but scallop fishing in Port Phillip Bay was banned in the nineties. Now you can get scallops commercially out of Port Phillip Bay, and you know Bruce Collis has a license and he's getting scallops out of Port Phillip Bay. So it's, you know, I, I never say never that something can't return, and um, and I think you know if if they issued two or three licenses to do it in Port Phillip Bay as an election commitment, um, be brave enough to say, yep, we got this one wrong. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I've had the personal conversations with Phil McAdam saying, Phil, you might have to get out 1st of April, maybe be prepared to get back in in a year's time and maybe a couple of other guys might get in as well. And uh, to me, that's the best and only probably solution to getting sardines back on the menu. I mean, is it has there been a changing of the guard among the wreck fishers? Because it feels like if you were speaking as you're speaking now in, in you know, 2013 or whatever, when we're going into the election, that perhaps this wouldn't have happened. Uh, the, the main difference is we now talk to the sector, you know. Um, that's that's the difference. I, I had not had a single conversation with a commercial netter um, probably before 2016, I reckon, you know, 17 maybe when Phil, Phil McAdam came to me and said help and I said, you know, once once I understood Phil's situation, because I'd never spoken to him, never understood, never never knew what he did, didn't even know he existed, to be honest. And, and um, you, you know, so uh, I think the, the rec anglers are, are better educated now. Um, the sectors are talking uh, you know, there's certainly been a changing of the guard at Seafood Industry Victoria. You know, there's, um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to comment on the new CEO because I've only met him twice, um, but he seems very reasonable. Um, but certainly the, the new chair, Joanne Butterworth-Gray, is just a great operator, a very respectful person and the type of person I want to work with. You know, Joanne's doing great things for Seafood Industry Victoria and, the, you know, and, 
um, there's so many things in common that the recs and commercials have. Uh, you know that I, I want to see us working together. I want to. I want to. I want to actually help grow the corner inlet story and fishery. And and you know, every, everybody knows Coffin Bay oysters. Well, I want everybody to know corner inlet fish. You know, because um, I. I I've many friends that don't like fishing but want to eat seafood, you know. So I think uh, that changing the guard at Seafood Industry Victoria has also contributed to we all understand a bit better now and um, and we want to get along and we want to see Victoria thrive. <sighs> yes, we certainly do. I guess we're all seafood lovers. It seems to me that, you know, wreck fishers are a lobby, um, the the people that were actually commercially fishing were a much smaller number and seafood eaters in Victoria, um, like whether it's hospitality, whether it's people who like ordering seafood in restaurants or like buying fish at the market, that is not an organised lobby group and that seems to be a problem. But I just find it really interesting that, you know, as part of the Target One Million um, commitment, Victorian government promised, well, they committed $46 million in the 2014 election and then another 35 million in the 2018 state election to, and part of those some of those commitments I'm just looking at the list now so part of the commitment was to halt commercial netting in Port Phillip and Corio Bay over the over those eight that eight year period but there's also a lot of stuff like specifically to assist wreck fishers like increasing fish stocking both um, recreational and and na- and like introduce a native species um reduce or t- uh, take out um, ramp fees at um, where people are putting their boat in the water, school education, children's fishing programs, festivals, um, yeah, club grants. I mean, there's a lot of money being thrown at wreck fishing. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and you're 100% right. And, uh, and Target One Million. Uh, I mean, that's the overarching name for the the program. But some of the things that are that are that have occurred, you know, and 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 even the buyout, you know, it, it's contributed to Victoria. I reckon it's got the the greatest fishery. But you look at, um, you know, a seven million dollar uh, native fish hatchery is is it's up and running. You know, the ponds are there and fish are being grown out in those ponds. The the hatchery is not quite complete, but it will be. Um, and you know, that all contributes to uh, we've we've got probably the best Murray cod fishery in Australia now. You know, in Lake Eildon, um, you can go there and catch one metre long Murray cod, and that's through a, a, a huge stocking program. You know, it's been proven that they don't successfully breed in Lake Eildon. Um, so through a a huge stocking program into Lake Eildon that's been going on for quite some time, um, and and. And might I say, through a lot of purchased fish from New South Wales, Victoria's now got the capability through its own native fish hatchery to um, not quite reach capacity, but in a couple of years, there'll be no buying fish from New South Wales hatcheries. There'll be, you know, it, that that will be all in house, and we we will con- we're growing new um, Murray cod fisheries. You know, um, there's there's a big lake out at um, Horsham that's going to be the next in fact it's probably going to be better than lake yielden in in a few years time once that establishes itself um so so we're seeing that and we'll we will see the return of trout cod i mean you can't catch trout cod um apart from two small lakes where they're stocked but that really hasn't worked you know we we will see trout cod not be endangered anymore and will be in people's frying pans i am sure in five six seven years you know so some of those things are, are really good activities and can i also um, you know, you compare Victoria to other states. You know, you go to you go to South Australia. 
there's a closed season on snapper. Uh, in fact, in fact, there's a ban on fishing for snapper um, because they've depleted their stocks. They've overfished it. And that doesn't happen in Victoria. You go to Tasmania, there's a closed season for calamari. That doesn't happen in Victoria because we have well-managed fisheries where Victoria is regulated by bag and size limits and also the buy-out of netting. So, you know, and, and I, I talk to my counterparts in Tasmania. I go, why have you got a closed season in Tasmania? And they go, well, you know, they closed parts of the state to commercial fishing for calamari, but they didn't take any operators out of the system, so they all moved to another part of Tasmania to fish. And, well, what happened there? They depleted the stock and now they have to have a closed season. And we don't want that to happen in Victoria. What What are your thoughts around, like, the compliance of recreational fishers in terms of size and bag limits? Well, if you talked with the Victorian Fisheries Authority and, and their officers, they say compliance is really high. Um, there's always bad eggs in every bunch, but they say compliance is very, very high. And, um, you know, and, and, we've, and we've actually got pretty generous bag and size limits. I mean, you can catch 20 King George Whiting. That's 40 fillets. That's a lot of fish and, and a highly prized fish that's very expensive in the markets if, you know, for the people that don't go fishing. So we've actually got pretty generous, um, you, you know, bag and sizes. But when it comes to, say, southern bluefin tuna, we've got, we've got tight bag limits. You know, you, know, you can do 100 kilometres for, for two fish and that's it, you know. So I, I, I think, you know, like I go back to what I just said, we've got well-managed fisheries and I think they've got the balance right on, on pretty much every species. Um. I guess, you know, the more recreational fishers there are, that's great for people such as yourself who own tackle shops or other people that work in the recreational fishing industry. Um, but I, what about the impacts on the loss of commercial fisheries to the broader economy? Yeah, good question. Um, and, and, look, I, don't, I, I actually really don't like talking about people's livelihoods because it's um, – yeah, you know, it, it's not it's not nice. Um, it's it's similar though, and, and um, whether it's a, yeah, whether me, most people agree with me, you know, people used to work in the Ford factory in Geelong, but there's no more manufacturing of cars in Australia, and and things change, and so bay and inlet netting is gone. Things change, and unfortunately, you know, the the people that worked in that industry no longer work in that industry in 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 you know bays and inlets anyway. Um, the other thing I would say, and again, people may argue with me over this, I go down to my local fish shop and we've, I've got one about, you know, less than a kilometre from work. There's no shortage of seafood, it doesn't appear to be. You know, there is flathead, there is whiting, there is calamari, um, and, and they don't seem to be in short supply at fish shops. So, you know, there's still a very, very big commercial fishery in Victoria, but it's offshore. It's the it's the Commonwealth, you know, and uh, and of course, Corner Inlet. I mean, it's still still, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tons of fish are coming out of Corner Inlet, uh, and they're, and they're those bread and butter species as well. So, you know, um, recreational's got it good in Victoria. We've got great fisheries. Good, you know, they're in good condition. Um, there's no shortage of fish. Uh, but we haven't got that bad interaction with the, the netting, you know, practice. And there's still plenty of seafood available in the fish shops. I mean, there is a lot of seafood, but I think it's more than 70% of the fish that we eat in Victoria is is, is imported. Um, and, I mean, those catch limits in the bay and some of those species you mentioned are about to be reduced as well. Um, 
and I think the corner inlet seafood is it's a pretty premium product like I know that it goes into you know some of the markets but also a lot of you know top restaurants I don't know if it's the kind of sort of daily accessible fish I mean I think you know we'd love Victorians to be eating more fish overall and to have um, more of it available and more local fish available I mean do you think I mean, is the solution that more people do, do I need to actually get onto the water? Is that is that the best way for me to get local fish? Uh, well, well, like I say, I can I can go down to my fish shop any time of the year and buy whiting, calamari, and flathead. So it's got to be coming from somewhere. Um, now, you know, I often see big garfish down at the seafood shop because I I do like looking in the seafood shop. I've got I've got a fascination with fish every day of my life, you know. So, um, and they come, they tell me they come from Tasmania, you know. So yes, there's still, you know, and, and I presume most of Tasmania would be in in offshore waters as well. You know, there's not a lot of bays and inlets down there. Um, so you know, so so I, I've, I've I struggle to say there's no, you know, for anyone that says there's there's a shortage of seafood because there's lots of seafood. You go go to Springvale Market, go to the Melbourne markets. Those species are there. Um, they've got to be coming from somewhere, and they're not importing from outside of Australia. King George Whiting and Flathead or, or calamari, you know. Sure. Those, those sure, but I mean those limits are changing uh, on the first of April as far as some of those species from Port Phillip Bay. So perhaps we will see. Um, we will see a reduction in what's available in the local fish shops, and then I suppose they'll um, have, they'll be forced to look further afield for fish. I just find it crazy. It's like there's um, you know petrol's going through the roof. Uh, we want we want food from close by. Um, yeah, I want local sardines on my plate in local restaurants. Um, and I know you agree with me. I know you'd love to see that as well. And just to, just to be clear, to, you know, for the listeners, there's no recreational sardine fishing, is there? Like that is just really not an option. Absolutely not. So, you know, it's the only source. If you want um, Port Phillip Bay sardines, the only way to get them is, is Phil McAdams' net. Uh, and, and, and we go back to saying how sad that is that that's going to end, you know. So so I guess my solutions, if, if you want commercial Port Phillip Bay fish, two things. One, we've got to get the sardine fishery re-established once the buyouts are all finished unfortunately because that's the legislation and two i want to see line court permits back in port in port phillip bay so that fish are commercially harvested under a quota um under under some you know some code of practice regulations like the corner inlet guys uh, are doing um you know which may be you know stop fishing on a friday afternoon don't start fishing until sunday night uh, those sort of practices and i think um both sectors could exist in Port Phillip Bay in the future if that happens, and and you know that will free up that that, that will free up tons and tons and tons of fish to go into the commercial yeah you know, into the markets and 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 be sold and uh, I I genuinely want to see that happen, but I don't want burning nets into Port Phillip Bay, except some sardine nets, except for some sardines, <laughs> and, and and that's a completely different practice, okay. you know. So yeah, I, I want to see that back, you know, and and. I also want to point out, like, yes, yes, I, I run tackle shops, but I, you know, I've been a director of the Future Fish Foundation for about 18 years. Uh, I started on 3AW, oh, in fact, I started, yeah, I did the 3AW fishing show for six years. Before that, I did a community radio station. You know, I, I, I've only been in a tackle shop 10 years, so it was kind of like, hey, I want to work in this industry that I'm already, you know, kind of working in uh, in media and, and uh, you know, and running a not-for-profit, um, you know, I, I, I joined a tackle shop 
uh, because I love working in the industry and that's what I chose to do. But uh, it was well after I was on the the bandwagon of, you know, banning netting and, and making Victoria a better place to fish for recreationals, you know. So um, I've got a passion, got a passion for it. Um, yeah, people say to me, oh, you do it because you work in a tackle shop. No, nah, I was doing this long before I worked in a tackle shop. But it's it's so pleasing working in a tackle shop and having customers come in and say, oh, gee, I've got, got my bag limit of whiting this weekend, you know, down at Hastings or whatever. It's it's so good to see people that are enjoying what's one of the last outdoor activities that people can do, you know. So many people are stuck indoors or playing games on computers and things like that. It, it is one of the last things that a young child can go and do with their grandfather and, and you know, not outskill them. The grandfather's better, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of the last things that you can do. What's your favourite fish to catch, David? Oh, yellowtail kingfish by far. You know, the, the excitement, um, the thrill of the catch and the edibility, it's it's 11 out of 10. <laughs> I love it. And are they running at the moment? Oh, I haven't caught one this season. They, I, I reckon I can see them on my sounder. Um, yeah, very limited places to fish in Victoria for yellowtail kingfish, and it's very seasonal. Um, the water temperature's right. The conditions are right. There's lots of live bait around. I just haven't caught one this season. It's killing me. <laughs> oh, well, good luck. Hope that, hope there's one around the corner. Um, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's, um, it's, you know, it's a bit of a vexed topic. Uh, it's great to know that there are lots of meeting places for all the people that want to eat um, fresh local seafood. And uh, even though I feel like this situation where that's right in front of us is incredibly frustrating, hopefully there are better times ahead. Uh, but, yeah, thanks so much for um, laying it all out for us today on Dirty Lynn and David. Really appreciate your time and your insights. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a good cause and we've got to get some more seafood back on the tables for Victorians. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.